Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers got exactly what they feared with Jimmy Garoppolo. It is a torn ACL. He's done for the year. C.J. Beathard takes over that offense. So what does that do for the San Francisco playmakers? How should we treat them going forward? Uh, should we? How far should we downgrade them? And who should you hold on to? Who can you cut? We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Monday night football recap, the game from last night. Steelers had a big lead. Uh, Bucks came back, tried to make things interesting there. We'll talk about that, recap that game. Then we'll get into some league news and notes, talk about the Thursday night game a little bit. Some big news uh, heading into that game concerning some injuries, uh, specifically on the Rams side of the ball. We'll talk about Dalvin Cook. We'll talk about our my winners and losers from week three in the NFL. Uh, of course, we'll talk about some a couple guys who, uh, you know, should you believe it or should you not? Uh, we're going to talk about a couple guys who you maybe should start to be really worried about, guys who you drafted early in the draft, middle of the rounds, um, that you were planning on having significant contributions from this season. I'll tell you about those guys. And then, of course, I'm going to get you primed up for the waiver wire. I'm going to give you a handful of players who I think you should go out and get on your roster this week. So let's jump right into the biggest news of the weekend. Jimmy Garoppolo, torn ACL. He's going to be done for the year, as I mentioned. So uh, how do you, again, treat these playmakers for the 49ers moving forward? I think one of the biggest guys, the first guy that came to my mind is George Kittle because we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo pepper him with targets through the first three weeks. He was definitely his favorite target, specifically while Marquise Goodwin was on the shelf. So I still think George Kittle is a hold. You don't want to drop him, and I actually still think he has is borderline tight end one. Uh, him and C.J. Beathard, both from Iowa, I'll be interested to see if there's any sort of connection there. I'm not sure how much of their time overlapped. I'll have to look into that. Um, but, you know, it's just something maybe to think about. Um, but more so is the fact that C.J. Beathard, I think, is going to have to lean on the tight end. I don't know how much of a downfield threat he's going to be from what we saw last year. He targeted running backs a lot. He targeted Carlos Hyde a ton. I also think George Kittle is going to fit into that equation pretty nicely. Uh, Another one, of course, Matt Breida. Uh, How can you treat him moving forward? Because we've seen his role really increase lately. Um, My thought was he was really starting to take hold over that offense over Alfred Morris. He was playing better. He still had a good game against Kansas City on Sunday. 10 carries, 90 yards, added a few receptions. Even though he left in that game for a little bit, came back. We don't know his status for next week. Hyperextended D. He might miss a game, so keep your eye out on that news. But in terms of how he fits in this offense now with C.J. Beathard under center, I still think he can be a decent wide or running back too, excuse me, uh, because of what I just mentioned that C.J. Beathard absolutely peppered Carlos Hyde last year with targets. I believe it was 50 targets in six or eight games. Um, so so it should still be a decent uh, workload for Matt Breida. I think he gets the biggest, um, you know, bump here. Uh, another reason being, you know, with the game scripts, I think obviously uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners had a better chance to have leads in games. Uh, with C.J. Beathard, I think this team takes a huge step back. Um, so the game script for Alfred Morris probably won't be there. He doesn't offer you anything in the passing game. So 
Matt Breida is still a decent running back to own. Keep him and Kittle. And then for Marquise Goodwin, this is might be the guy on the outside looking in. I think you can hold him for now, but you have to temper your expectations dramatically. I think guys like John Brown, uh, Kenny Galladay, certainly, um, even Chris Godwin could take a jump over Marquise Goodwin based on what we see moving forward. So keep Marquise Goodwin for now. Keep him on your bench. See how he works through in the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, with Bethard and then make a decision after that but you don't have to hold him too too long I mean this is a one or two week thing where you can say okay this either is happening or it's not and then of course Pierre Garçon but we haven't seen anything from Garçon yet so he's probably not on your roster unless you're in an eight or a ten bench league at this point um if you want to kind of hold him in in a league that deep just to see what kind of connection that you know who uh Bethard kind of makes that connection with which one of these guys you can do that but yeah it's a it's a significant downgrade for all these guys I think Marquise Goodwin goes from a wide receiver to easily to a uh, you know more of a borderline wide receiver three flex option um but uh, like I said I think Kittle and Breida could still hold some decent value they're they're going to take a hit but I still think they could hold some decent value all right, let's talk about that Monday night game last night. What a crazy game. Steelers take the lead 30-10 to 10 at halftime. The Vance McDonald stiff arm, which was just incredible. We were talking last night, you know, which stiff arm was better. Was it the Vance McDonald stiff arm last night, or was it that Le'Veon Bell stiff arm last year against the Bengals? Um, I think it was against Kirkpatrick, uh, where he just— it was basically the same thing, kind of a front-on stiff arm. The guy's coming at you, it was kind of front-on, just shoved him to the ground, really threw him, actually. It was the same kind of thing, uh, but it was incredible, and it was good to see Vance McDonald get on the scoreboard and also have a good night receiving. I still think he's going to be a, a valuable piece in this offense if he can remain healthy, but that's the biggest question with him. Can he stay on the field? Can he be available? Let's talk about Ben finally having a big road game last night, 30 of 38, 353 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He's got a 6-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio over the last two weeks, 70% completion percentage in that time. And let's, let's look ahead to Baltimore this Sunday night, primetime in Pittsburgh. Last three games versus the Ravens for Big Ben, averaging 375 yards passing, 11 touchdowns total to just two interceptions. Now that did include that 506-yard performance Late last year, I think it was week 14 or 15 against the Ravens uh, when the Steelers came from behind. But he has really done well against this Ravens secondary as of late. It's not what we saw in the early days in, you know, 09 to 13, kind of those years, even before where that Ravens defense was so, so stout. Um, They're banged up right now without Jimmy Smith, without a couple other guys. They're banged up. I think this is another opportunity where Ben can exploit them. I think he's a fine start this week. On the other side of the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick, tough first half through those three interceptions. A couple of them really, really bad. One got tipped up in the air. Um, But he finished strong in the second half, uh, actually finished the night 30 of 50, 411 yards, almost brought them all the way back, scoring those 17 um, unanswered points in the second half. Now, I would prefer both quarterbacks on Thursday night, mostly because we know Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib are not going to play, so I'm going to stick with Kirk Cousins over Ryan Fitzpatrick because that's the other bit of news is is Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably going to start another week this week at Chicago. But if you're looking at some starts, I would still start both quarterbacks, Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins Thursday night. 
one, because I think even though Kirk, or I'm sorry, well, let's start with Kirk Cousins. Even though he's going up against a, uh, a pretty tough defense on paper, like I said, Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib both out for extended period of time. And then, of course, on the other side of it, Jared Goff. And that offense is just cruising right now that it does not even bother me that they're going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Everson Griffin's going to be out for quite a while. Uh, looks like he's having some issues I'm not sure what's going on there, but mostly that that's a huge loss for that front seven. And even though Buffalo kind of carved them up last week, I, I don't think uh, I don't think you have to worry about the Vikings defense long term. But in this game, I still think the the Rams offense, the way they're clicking right now, uh, they're still a good play, and Jared Goff is still a good play. And I would also prefer Matt Ryan versus Cincy uh, over Fitzpatrick this week. Let's talk about James Conner because I think last week against the Chiefs, a little underwhelming, just the eight carries in a game that they fell behind early. This week, 20 total touches, 95 yards. And as long as Le'Veon Bell is out, look, this is a guy that's going to be on the running back one way, uh, radar. excuse me. Um, so keep firing him up. I know it hasn't been great the last two games, but he is going to have brighter days ahead. I, I do believe that. And then the, the, one of my biggest questions from this game, should you be worried about Antonio Brown Nine targets, six receptions, one touchdown, all in the first half. Hasn't topped 100 yards this season, uh, or yet this season. 24 total receptions, though. He is second in the league in targets. And I'm going to say emphatically, no, you should not be worried about Antonio Brown. It's A-B. And I'm going to pull a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book, R-E-L-A-X. Relax with Antonio Brown. He's just fine. He's been targeted a lot. I know Juju's getting all the love right now in the yards department, but Antonio Brown is still going to be fine. Don't worry about him. Finally, from this game, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin combining for 21 targets, 11 receptions, 211 yards, two touchdowns. I've been beating Chris Godwin's drum since the preseason. I'm still going to continue to beat it, and Mike Evans has been everything that we wanted him to be, kind of that fringe round two, round three, maybe mid-round two where you were drafting him. We weren't sure if he was going to continue that odd year stretch where he just didn't score touchdowns and was very inconsistent. Well, it looks like he's back on that wide receiver one radar. Uh, Godwin could have even had a bigger night. He dropped two touchdowns and had a fumble, two you know, two touchdown passes. Well, one was right on the goal line, but I think it would have been a touchdown if he would have held on. Um, and the other one was in the back of the end zone. He definitely should have had that. But I love the targets, 11 for, for uh, Evans, 10 for Godwin. And I think you need to treat Evans as a matchup-proof wide receiver one moving forward and Godwin as a low-end wide receiver two. Um, so both of these guys can be you know, started on a week-to-week basis. The Browns have named um, Mayf- Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback, of course, and the Cardinals have named Josh Rosen the starting quarterback. So that's kicking off the league news and notes. Those two guys moving forward are going to be the starting quarterbacks. I mentioned cornerbacks that keep to lead Marcus Peters both out Thursday night football versus the Vikings. And the big news here, just to dive into this a little more, Tlaib has a high ankle sprain. He actually had surgery, or he's going to have surgery. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. Could be even longer. So keep an eye out on a keep to leave. And then Marcus Peters with that calf strain expected to miss two to four weeks. Um, like I said, I was going to drop Cousins for Dalton, Goff, uh, maybe a, another guy or two. But the more I look at it, um, I think I'm going to hold on to Kirk Cousins just based off those two guys being out. Um, I already mentioned about Fitzpatrick. He looks like he's going to start week four. Evan Ingram, big news, sprained MCL. He's considered week to week and uh, came out today that he could miss even more time. Um, 
you know, multiple, multiple weeks. So keep an eye on that. If you're looking for somebody at the tight end option, of course, Vance McDonald's going to be a hot commodity after his game last night. But he also has, a, I think, an okay schedule, Ravens, then the uh, the Falcons at home, so back-to-back home games, and then he goes to Cincinnati, and then the bye week. So if you're looking for somebody, I think McDonald could be an intriguing option. And if people have dropped David Njoku in your league, he's still a nice option, and he's got a great schedule at Oakland, Baltimore, Chargers at Tampa Bay, at Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Atlanta, and then the bye. So I think there's five possibly very good matchups in that set. Um, so Njoku's another one. If people have kind of gone cold on him, dropped him, uh, I would look to pick him up as well. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook with the hamstring injury. He did practice today, today, Tuesday, uh, but he could still be a game-time decision. Um, you know, I would still prefer Carrion Johnson at Dallas, James White versus the Dolphins, and Alex Collins at Pittsburgh. Most people are going to be like, wow, Alex Collins at Pittsburgh. Alex Collins hasn't had really a breakout game yet this season, though he did have that touchdown last week. But looking back at Pittsburgh in Week 14 last season, after the Ryan Shazier injury, 20 touches, 166 total yards, and a touchdown for Alex Collins. I think he could be in line for another pretty good game at Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Um, and then Sean Lee, the big defensive news here, hamstring. He's expect, expected to miss a few weeks. Bit a tough, tough road for Sean Lee. Such a talented linebacker, but he continues to be injured, be hampered by injuries, and he's going to miss some time here as well. Looks like a multi-week injury. Colts released Christian Michael on Monday. Matt Breida, hyperextended knee. He, like I mentioned, he's going to be questionable for this week. Not sure if he's going to be available or not. Um, and then Leonard Fournette, he's still day-to-day. There hasn't been a lot that's changed there. Just keep an eye out if he practices this week. Hopefully he can get back on the field this weekend. Um, Anthony Miller, dislocated shoulder, was is, is going to be day-to-day. Vikings get their center back, Pat Elfline, to start versus the Rams in week four on Thursday night. I already mentioned the Everson Griffin news, um, dealing with some apparently some mental health issues, and uh, it's very possible that he misses the entire season at this point. That's the way it's kind of uh, kind of leaning. Dalvin Cook hamstring um, is again day to day and considered questionable. Of course, I wrote that down twice like an idiot, um, but uh, he is day to day, and again, I don't know if he's going to start Thursday night at the Rams. But even if he doesn't, I wouldn't start Latavius Murray, and I don't know if I would start Dalvin Cook uh, at this point either. I already mentioned a couple guys that I would take over him. Richard Sherman with a calf injury, expected to miss a few weeks. Some more defensive news. Saints cornerback Patrick Robinson has been placed on IR with broken ankle. Texans placed wide receiver Bruce Ellington on IR with hamstring injury. He's played a lot of snaps this year, not a lot of... um, uh, production, I guess, but he has played a lot of snaps for them. Darren Sproles and Jay Ajayi are expected to return to practice this week, so they could both play. If you have Corey Clement, I would hold on for now, but he might be a drop candidate. And then Alshon Jeffrey, still not cleared for contact, but the fact that he did get in some practice last week, we're hoping that he could play this week. He could get the green light here uh, pretty soon. Okay, let's look at my winners and losers from week three. And of course, we have to start in Atlanta with that Falcons-Saints game. What a shootout. That was a heck of a game on Sunday. And I got to start with Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley as my first two winners um, of Week 3. Matt Ryan, 26 of 35, 374 yards, and five touchdowns. We've seen these games from Matt Ryan before where he will just absolutely blow up at home 
in Atlanta. Calvin Ridley was the main uh, you know, beneficiary of this eight targets, seven receptions, 146 yards, three touchdowns, really a coming out party for the rookie. He now has 13 targets in his last two games. And look, if we take a look at the, the Falcons upcoming schedule, they get the Bengals at home and then at the Steelers, then the Bucks, Giants and a bye. So it's a pretty nice schedule moving forward uh, for the Falcons heading into that bye week. Look, right now, I think I would have rather have Calvin Ridley over a, a number of guys, Robbie Anderson being one. I'm starting to creep into wanting him more than Marquise Goodwin, all the Jacksonville receivers, because I think they're going to be continue to be very inconsistent. I do think Ridley will be inconsistent at times, but I just like the upside of that offense and that passing attack more than I do Jacksonville. Antonio Callaway, Chris Hogan, even at this point, and Corey Davis. I know those last two names probably surprise people, but I, with Josh Gordon and with Edelman coming back, I'm very worried about Chris Hogan at this point. He has not stepped up in the absence of those two guys, and we expected him to take on a bigger role, uh, You know, basically kind of being the only show in town at the wide receiver position for the Patriots. He hasn't done that, so I'm worried about his usage moving forward. And Corey Davis with that passing attack, who knows when Marcus Mariota is going to be right. Um Blaine Gabbard is now in the concussion protocol. They signed Austin Davis. So that team is a a mess in terms of the quarterback room right now, in terms of their passing attack. I'm very worried about the Titans, and I'm worried about Corey Davis because of that. Alvin Kamara, uh, my number two winner of the weekend, 16 carries, 66 yards, and 20 targets, 20 targets, 15 ca- or 15 catches on those 20 targets for 124 yards. Just an incredible game from Alvin Kamara. And look at that upcoming schedule at the Giants, then the Redskins, then a bye. At Baltimore, at Minnesota, then the Rams, at Cincy, and then Philly. It gets tough uh, following that bye week. That's a very tough stretch of five games. But with a guy like Alvin Kamara, he's going to get his in the passing game. That passing attack and that offense in general with Drew Brees is so potent that he really is matchup proof even when Mark Ingram comes back until we see otherwise. And then my number three winner of the weekend, uh, the guy who has been maybe the hottest quarterback in the league. No, he definitely is the hottest quarterback in the league. And that's Pat Mahomes, 13 touchdowns to no interceptions, 66.7 completion percentage, 9.6 yards per attempt, 12 passes of 20 or more yards downfield he's attempted. Um, This is exactly what the Chiefs had in mind when they made the switch from Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes. And if you watched that game on Sunday, when he rolled to his left and then kind of spun back to to the right side and rolled out right and threw that strike to the back right corner of the end zone, I think it was Chris Conley. I mean, that was just incredible. Uh, That was incredible. And you can see the arm strength, the athleticism, and why the Chiefs just love this guy. I'm so excited that I have Pat Mahomes on my dynasty team. Him and Carson Wentz are my two quarterbacks. Going to be set for a long, long time. Keep firing up Pat Mahomes. Look, in despite of the matchup, you have to put him in your lineup despite the matchup right now. I know they go to Denver this week. I don't think that defense is as good as it used to be. I think it can still be fairly tough in Denver at mile high, uh, but you have to start him regardless of any matchup at this point right now, even when they get the Jaguars in week two. Um it's just the the dynamic of this offense right now is too too much to leave on your bench uh, for the time being. Let's talk some of my losers from the weekend. First off, it's got to be the Vikings offense, right? I mean, total dud across the board. 
Uh, the fact that Latavius Murray had two carries for one yard, five catches for 30 yards, which kind of salvaged his day in PPR. Um, he ended up getting me, I think, seven and a half points. I ended up sitting, uh, you know, a, a handful of guys started Latavius Murray in three leagues. Just a total bummer from, uh, you know, a game flow standpoint, from a game script, from the way that the game just went on from the very first, you know, possession, first quarter, Kirk Cousins fumbling twice right off the bat. Um, he did finish 40 of 55 for 296 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and two lost fumbles. So again, he's a, you know he only got me I think seven or eight points. Um, if he would have topped that 300 mark, we play in a league where you get four bonus points for you get bonus points for uh, certain yardages, 100 rush yards, 100 receiving yards, 300 passing yards as a bonus. So just missed out on that. But it's really just a disappointing uh, effort from the Vikings on Sunday. But I don't think you should get too worried about this offense, honestly. If you're smart, you'll kind of overlook this game. This is one of those games where you say, okay, it's over, it's done with, we're putting it, we're just throwing it away. And that's probably what the Vikings mindset is, and that's probably what you should be thinking as well as a fantasy owner. This offense is going to be okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be okay. The wide receivers, Diggs and Thielen, are both going to be okay. I know Thielen had a good game on Sunday. Diggs, not so much. And the running game should be okay uh, as long as Dalvin Cook can get healthy. I think they will get going eventually if they can get some guys up front healthy. And then number two, we talked about him, Antonio Brown. uh, Was out-targeted by Juju Smith-Schuster 11-9 and has now been out-gained by Juju in three straight games. So I said I'm not worried about AB, and I'm, I'm not at all. But it, it he's, he's definitely a loser for this week. Six for 50 and a touchdown. I know that isn't a terrible line. 15 points in PPR. But not great from what we've uh, kind of grown, you know, we're accustomed to with uh, AB's stat line. It's It certainly does not live up to what he can do. And then number three, Kenyon Drake. I mean, wow, ouch. This was a total disaster for Kenyon Drake. Seven touches. Just 10 yards. Snap count has continued to decrease, 46-36-29. I know the Dolphins were down 21-7 to start this game, um, so maybe it just got away from him a little bit and away from the the game script. Um, But Frank Gore has seen 25 total touches this season to Drake's 39. Um, Not a crazy even split. You know, Drake's still getting a lot of the snap, you know, um, a lot of the snaps, more snaps than Gore. Uh, but it's just, it's concerning. Um, it is definitely, definitely concerning. Okay, let's talk about Believe It or Not. This is going to be a segment where I talk about a couple players who had big games on Sunday or have had big games the last couple weeks, but can you believe it? Can you roster them? Can you expect this week to week? Can you expect consistency? Can you start these players? And number one on the list had a huge game Sunday. Just talked about this game, Dolphins Raiders. Jordy Nelson, eight targets, six catches, 130 or 173 yards and a touchdown. I'm still not rushing to the waiver wire to get him. Um, let's look at the targets. Oakland has really spread the ball around this season. Jared Cook, 22 targets. Amari Cooper, 18 targets. Jalen Richard, 18 targets. Jordy Nelson, 16 targets. And Martavis Bryant, nine targets. So they've really spread it around to this point. I would expect that to continue. Now, if Jordy Nelson comes out and has another week like this, I think you should you would be wise to go out and at least roster him. If you want to roster him now, that's fine. But he's not going to be one of my top waiver wire priorities this week. I still think there are a handful of other receivers out there who, again, I think are just going to be more consistent, going to have a bigger role, 
and let's be honest, are younger, probably more athletic at this point in their careers, and more fresh in the, at this point in their careers. And then number two on the Believe It or Not list is Sammy Watkins. Uh, now, I think we can start to believe this a little bit more, definitely more so than Jordy Nelson. 15 targets in the last two games for Watkins. 11 receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown in that span. He did have that 100-yard game against Pittsburgh, scored his first touchdown this week against uh, the 49ers, and he started to creep into that wide receiver two conversation with John Brown, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. Crazy to think of all those guys as, you know, I consider them number two receivers, at least low-end number two receivers at this point, but that's the way they've been performing, especially uh, Kenny Galladay is not going to go away. He has the chance to be the Lions' best receiver this season in my eyes. Um, and then John Brown's the same way. He has the chance to be Joe Flacco's top target. He's been to this point, and he's been performing. So I think you have to believe it with those two guys. Chris Godwin as well, as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there, they've they've you know definitely had a connection, even with Mike Evans in town. And then, of course, Sammy Watkins. I just mentioned the numbers. He looks like he's coming alive, and we've always talked about the talent. It's just been about consistency, staying on the field, staying healthy, and getting into the rhythm and the flow of the offense. And that's what we've seen from Sammy Watkins now. He's getting into that rhythm and flow. So I think all these guys, Sammy Watkins especially here, um, I think you can believe it. I do. I think you can believe it with Sammy Watkins, and he definitely deserves a roster spot for sure. And he deserves to be in your starting lineup moving forward. Now, the two guys who we got to talk about how worried should we be? That's the next segment on the podcast. These two players, Kenyon Drake, we'll start with him. I'm worried, but I'm not too worried. I just mentioned the numbers from Sunday against Oakland. He should start to dominate more touches as the season progresses. I really do believe that. I just think they're in a bad game script on Sunday. I think they're going to be in more favorable situations. And Kenyon Drake is going to be the benef- you know, the benefactor of that. He's definitely going to be that guy who... Um, you know, benefits the most from those situations, from those carries, from those touches out of the backfield, whether he's catching it or whether he's carrying the football. It's not going to be Frank Gore for a long time and consistently. So Kenyon Drake, don't worry about him quite yet. Um, keep him on your roster. You know, you can still start him at least in a flex play for now until you see the the production start to go up and he's going to be a number two receiver or number two running back, sorry, before before long. Again, kind of like he was, or kind of like how we treated him during draft season. And then the number two guy here, Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry, I think you do need to be worried about, and certainly more worried about than Kenyon Drake. One, he's in a bad offense, and he's in a uh, you know in an offense with a very injured quarterback room right now. I mentioned Marcus Mariota. When's he going to be healthy? This elbow thing is not something to take lightly, I don't think, at this point. He still can't make the throws that he needs to be to be effective uh, consistently. And, you know, Mike Vrabel's come out and said that, and we have not seen any improvement to this point. They did sign Austin Davis today. You know, I said in the preseason that Derrick Henry was going to score 10 touchdowns, and I it looks like I'm going to be an idiot for that. Um, he hasn't even scored a touchdown yet, just three yards per carry. He's been outsnapped by Deion Lewis, 112 to 78. So, look, I'm not dropping Derrick Henry yet, and I would— I would suggest that you don't drop Derrick Henry yet either, but I don't think you can start him. I haven't started in the last two weeks. I don't think you can start him until we see some significant improvement, some significant um, you know, efficiency on the ground, and also some work inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line like I was hoping for when we drafted Derrick Henry. 
Okay, well, last but not least, certainly not least, is my waiver wire primer segment. I love this segment. I love talking about the guys that you should be picking up on the waiver wire this week, whether your waiver's clear on Wednesday morning or Thursday or Wednesday night. Sometimes I'm in a couple leagues where my waivers, um, excuse me, my, my waivers uh, clear on Thursday or Wednesday night. Um, so whatever situation you are in, hopefully this helps you with some of those decisions in this week's waiver wire. So let's talk about number one and the guy that's been heavily targeted and been very productive, even alongside a star wide receiver in his own offense. And that's Tyler Boyd, 16 targets, 12 receptions, 223 yards, two touchdowns in the last two games. And if green misses time, he's going to be an instant wide receiver too with upside, um, I think there's a real chance that A.J. Green misses this game on Sunday uh, at Atlanta with that groin injury, and you're going to want Tyler Boyd in your lineup, even if it's just for one week and then we start to see some dip in in production. But he's a wide receiver, too, this week, 100% hands down with upside if Green misses, and he could be somebody that you can play in your flex moving forward. So definitely roster Tyler Boyd and have him for the time being indefinitely until we see something change. He was a guy, look, he's in his third year out of pit and we have not seen anything in year one. We did not see anything in years one and two. And mostly we have not seen Andy Dalton support a second wide receiver. So I think, again, you can have him on your roster indefinitely, maybe use him indefinitely until we see something change. But It wouldn't also surprise me if something did change because, again, like I mentioned, Andy Dalton has not typically supported, you know, a second wide receiver. Marvin Jones a little bit with his time in Cincy. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, generally, this is all good stuff we we can say right now about Tyler Boyd kind of coming into his own in his third season. And then number two, kind of a guy in a similar situation, um, but he's in his rookie season, and that's Calvin Ridley. Kind of like Tyler Boyd alongside Julio, or alongside AJ Green, Calvin Ridley is of course alongside Julio Jones playing second fiddle. But he looks like he's kind of taken over that number two role um, for Matt Ryan, or at least the number two target behind, behind Julio Jones ahead of Mohamed Sanu. I know the snap counts this past weekend: fifty-nine for Sanu, forty-two for Ridley. But I, I, I really do believe that Ridley has taken that jump and is become Matt Ryan's number two target. Um, so look, he now has 13 targets in his last two games. He has that huge game, 40 plus fantasy points on Sunday against the saints. Look, this is a guy that needs to be on your roster and you can probably start him in spots in your flex for now with the upside to become maybe even a little bit more than that. Maybe, maybe an every week flex player, um, you know, kind of like an Emmanuel Sanders, even moving forward, not saying he's going to get quite to that production, but. This is a guy for sure that can give you some solid fantasy production. Um, you just maybe at first you're not going to know when it's going to be. So hopefully we'll find that consistency, but definitely needs to be rostered. And then number three is a guy who you can start for the foreseeable future, and that's Andy Dalton. Look, if you're the team that lost Jimmy Garoppolo, this is Andy Dalton's upcoming schedule. At Atlanta, Miami at home, Pittsburgh at home, at Kansas City, and Tampa Bay before the bye. So that's five straight games where I think it's all pretty good matchups. Miami probably being the worst of that bunch, but it is at home. Um, you know, for a team that has to travel a good distance. Uh, you know, I, I think those are all really, really good matchups. Um, so Andy Dalton is definitely my top streaming quarterback for, uh, you know, this week. 
And again, he's not really even a one-week streamer. Just take a look at that that lineup, that uh, schedule, like I mentioned, and you can keep him through their bye week. Um, and then Antonio Callaway is number four, 14 targets in the last two games. Again, I think this guy, we t- me and Pat talked about him the other day on the podcast, that he just has all the makings. If he can stay on the field, if he can stay out of trouble like we saw in college, um, he has a real chance to be a playmaker in this offense, especially with Josh Gordon gone, and he should be rostered in just about all formats. Um, before I get any farther into the waiver wire, I did want to mention I'm not putting Chris Godwin on this list. I'm not putting John Brown on this list. I'm assuming these guys are mostly owned in fantasy leagues at this point. Um, but obviously, if they're not, those are the top two guys to go get. John Brown and Chris Godwin are both going to be guys who I said, hey, they have the real real chance to be wide receiver twos moving forward just based on their target share, based on their usage in their respective offenses. Okay, number five, let's look at the only tight end that I have on the list this week. Of course, Vance McDonald, five targets, four receptions, 112 yards, a touchdown, that mean, mean stiff arm. We've seen Vance McDonald do this before. That Jacksonville game in the playoffs last year had a very, very strong game. We were hopeful coming into the season. Of course, he missed some time in the preseason and missed the first week. Uh, was active in week two, but wasn't involved. We finally started to see him act or involved this week. Um, Jesse James kind of took a back seat in that regard. So I still think Vance McDonald's going to be the pass catching tight end in this offense mainly. Um, Jesse James will have his moments, but Vance is going to be the guy you want to own as a Steelers tight end. Uh, and honestly, in a passing offense like this one, like Pittsburgh, look, I know Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to get a lot of the targets, most of the targets. Um, they'll sprinkle in James Washington a little bit, but Vance McDonald's going to be involved, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy who's going to end up catching four, maybe five passes a game from Big Ben. Uh, number seven and eight are actually two guys that were probably dropped in your league at this point. Um, they're not top waiver wire priorities necessarily for this week. Not hot guys that have kind of come on, but they're more guys that I still think have a real chance to turn their season around. Two running backs, Duke Johnson and Marlon Mack. They were both dropped in a couple of my leagues, mainly because people are just fed up with Duke Johnson's usage earlier in the se- this early in the season, just 15 touches in three games. But I really believe that things are going to turn around eventually for Duke Johnson. You know, as long as Hugh Jackson can get his head out of his ass and get this guy in the field and get him touches because we know how dynamic he is. He finished his running back 11 in PPR leagues last year. So the talent is absolutely there. He's still young. They have to get Duke Johnson on the field and more involved. And I do think that's going to happen. So I think if you have the bench spot available, look, I'm in a 14 team league right now where. I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast. We only have three bench spots, so it's hard to roster somebody like Duke Johnson, three offensive bench spots. Um, But in a deeper league, anything like five, six bench spots, I I still would like to have Duke Johnson on my roster, at least stashing him for right now. And then Marlon Mack, um, look, I know he's banged up, but eventually if he gets on the field and if he can stay healthy, He's going to be the leader in this backfield. I just think he's the most talented back in Indy. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't get 15 touches a game once he's back on the field. Uh, you know, assuming this hamstring and whatever, he's got a foot or a toe injury as well on top of it. Um, but hopefully he can get back on the field, get healthy. So Duke Johnson, Marlon Mack, two guys, if you're in a deep bench league, definitely stash those two. And then Christian Kirk, my last guy I want to talk about in the waivers, this is a deeper one. I put him last because this is a kind of a deep, deep stash. 
But look, eight targets, seven catches, 90 yards versus the Bears last week. And when Josh Rosen came in the game, he actually was looking at Christian Kirk. I think the first two passes, he went to Kirk. So I'm hopeful that that will continue. Um, Looked his way on a couple hook routes, I believe, about 10 or 11-yard catches. But I'm hopeful that that kind of connection will continue. And if Larry Fitzgerald keeps showing the signs that we've seen and, you know, looks like he's aging a bit. He's had the hamstring tweak already this season. Um, Christian Kirk could start to emerge a little bit. Look, I don't think he's going to be awfully consistent this year, but if you want to have another deep, deep bench spot, I'm in a league where we have 10, 10, uh, it's 10 bench spots and there's no trades. And I don't know if Christian Kirk's available right now, but I might, you know, throw a flyer at him just to have him at the end of my bench moving forward. All right, well, that's all the time that we have for tonight. I know this was a fairly quick one. I always talk about this, but it's always quicker when I'm just by myself. We're at about 37 minutes on the podcast. So, um, again, thank you for everybody that listens to the show, that supports the show. We appreciate the five-star ratings on on iTunes that we've gotten. We've gotten a handful of them. I think we're up to 10 or 12 at this point. Stitcher, I'm starting to climb the ranks a little bit. I know I've cracked the top, the, the 20s now. Um, for our, you know, listing on Stitcher. So please, please listen to the podcast. And on the weekends, if you didn't get a chance, I posted a Facebook live video. It kind of came out scratchy and the the audio was not good though. I don't know what happened there. I'm going to try that method moving forward though, a little bit from time to time is do a live, um, last minute start sit on maybe a Saturday or a Sunday just to mix things up a little bit. Got some good feedback on that as well. Um, but yeah, just trying new things. And of course, we're going to keep the podcast up two to three times a week as well. So if you have any questions, if you have any start sit, you know, should I keep, should I cut, should I trade questions, things like that? Go hit us up at Twitter at pad the stats. That's the number one spot where you can find us, but I'm signing off for the night. Everybody it's Tuesday night here on the East coast, a little after eight o'clock. Enjoy week four action. Good luck to you and your fantasy teams out there until next time. For Pad the Stats, I'm signing off as your host, James Swanson. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.